Come up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Monday on Hook 'em Up with he and Rod B. Rod B. It is seven oh one, and oh, you still so. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's hey, easy. That's easy. That's easy. It is uh, hour two of five, our five-hour morning sports conversation every day, five hours a day, five days a week. And it's not just any week. It's Texas OU week. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Especially when your teams, team is good. <laughs> by the way, we were debating on on Saturday during our pregame show at the Mockingbird Saloon when the last time both teams were undefeated. It was actually 2011, Rock. The last time. 2009 they were, too. But yeah, Mac Brown's team in 2011 actually started five and zero, and then kind of fell apart the rest of the way, if you okay. remember. But oh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah, I assumed it was 09 too. I thought it was well. In 09, yeah. obviously Texas went on to play for the national championship that year. They beat Oklahoma that year. Um, but I believe 11, Texas mm-hmm. was five and zero, surprisingly. And Oklahoma and then, was too. Yeah. Uh, that's well, the thing. That's the thing. Was Oklahoma? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. Good, good Last question, time, Rob. both were undefeated. The time both. We had, know that was 09, but we don't know if it happened yeah, after that because I don't. I don't haven't kept up with the Oklahoma side on that. But that's yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, that's why it's the, the reason I actually. Say, you know what? No, you know, in in eleven, Texas was four now. They were undefeated though. But they weren't. They had beat. They weren't five and zero. Oh, five. Oh, Last time they were so five and zero oh was oh nine. I got you. I Four got and zero oh was oh, okay. was in eleven. They had beaten Rice, BYU, uh. UCLA, and Iowa State, and then they lost Oklahoma. Then they lost Oklahoma State. They ended up losing five games that year for Mac Brown. Um, That's so, a technicality. Yes, <laughs> technicality. But either way, yeah. Uh, for this, as I said, we we predicted last week that. Um, you know, college game day would be at at the at Fair Park if the, both teams won, and there are they will be, which means the whole ESPN contingent and Pat McAfee they'll all descend on Dallas like we will on Friday, and um, then yeah. you know you get that that big run, and then just all the subplots. I mean, oh, so many. I mean, well, is Brett Yormark going to make an appearance to talk about the Big Twelve? Is Greg Sankey going to make an appearance? He's to definitely talk about staying the away SEC? from this. He's staying away from this. This don't look good. This is not making the Big Twelve. The the new Big Twelve is not is not making them look good because Texas and Oklahoma are clearly the class of the Big Twelve this year, and then they're on their way out. So clearly the class of the Big Twelve. Right, that, they're the. It's not close. It's not even that exactly. They they seem well, like they're the far only, and away better than the rest of the programs, and that's they're leaving. <laughs> See ya. And you're trying to promote the other brands like well, hey, Tech well, Colorado's and coming. TCU. Hey, they are, but Arizona, Arizona State, to, Utah. Utah's about, coming. Yeah, but Colorado, you know, Colorado did look good during the comeback. I'll give them that. But you're right, Colorado's coming, but it's just hard for him to promote the Big 12 in that environment. That's the best, that's one of the best college football environments in all of college football, and you're about to lose it. Yeah. What are you going to go there and say? Hey guys, this is that's awesome. Why I think, that's why I think Greg Sankey <laughs> may show up and do he it. Might, he might pull it. He might pull a D on there and start going there, walking around the sidelines, showing up. I mean, honestly, can he? Uh, sure. I don't know. Like I don't know that ESPN is, considered, is, is paying. Them. I guess it's just unseemly. It's unbecoming, but I guess he could do it's it. It's 2023. What's seemly? It's let's get <laughs> exactly. Petty. We're in the petty. Let's get petty. We're in the petty. I will say this though about this match. I'm glad that it is back to having national championship implications. It should always be that. And when I came in Texas in '99, it was just starting to ascend to that point because Bob Stoops won a national title in his second year, right? And he's the one that really changed the uh, the conversation about that Texas OU game, at least in the modern era. But then after that, hell, I would say Mac Brown, he owes Bob Stoops a really a debt of gratitude because Bob Stoops brought out the best in Mac Brown. I th- he made Mac Brown uncomfortable 
Because Mac was Mac was plugging along, recruiting really well, winning nine, ten games, and then Bob Stoops comes along. He's like, "Nah, I want a national title." He just upped the ante, and then Lohan fans got they got you know they got to the point where they were getting anxious, like, well, "Okay, Mac, when you gonna win a national title? He's got you one national title," and it really did take that rivalry to a whole nother level. And my man CB tweeted this out, so I give CB credit. Think about it: in two thousand, they won the national title. Two thousand one, hell, if we don't implode versus Colorado after beating them already that year and having what Mike Williams and said B get knocked out of the game on the same damn play Chris Sims had his worst game that he's ever had on the 40 acres and implode we'd have played a national title too um he also points out that uh Texas in 04 probably was in that conversation too then I won a national title in 05 uh Texas Probably should have played for another one in 08, but OU played for a national championship uh, then, and in 2009, Texas played for another national title. I mean, between those two programs, that rivalry was always the launching pad, a catapult for you to be in the national championship conversation. I think it may be there again. Not saying it's, you know, Oklahoma's going to be that, but right now both those teams are undefeated, and that's going to be the conversation. Trajectories are good, and obviously Oklahoma's got to prove that now. They, they had a bad year last year for Brett Brenville, but you're right about that. I mean, I was doing the radio show when, when they both were hired, and but not only did Bob Stoops raise, uh, he forced Mac Brown to raise the bar. He, you know, he would talk trash about Mac Brown. Speaking of Petty, yeah, I mean, he called the Texas program <laughs> soft, yeah, Coach February, all that stuff. And you're right. I mean, where, where I was born in Ohio, there was a there. There's been books and a lot of things written about uh, Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler's ten year war uh, mm-hmm. through the '60s into the '70s. Oh, yeah, man. And you could argue that Bob, the Bob Stoops and Mac Brown had had their own little ten year war. From that's a great part. I like that. Ninety nine to 09, Yeah, where it was. Oh man, they were both in the center and the mix for everything. The recruiting and, battles, everything. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you could write probably a book about that if you wanted to. The Oklahoma Texas or Texas Oklahoma ten year war. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other fact of the day: we we're talking about the facts of the day. We are, by the way, on Friday afternoon. Right, I want to tell everybody. If you're looking for a place to come hang out Friday afternoon, you're going to get up there on Friday, check into your hotels and all those things to be up there. Come on out and join us. Uh, we're going to do a live broadcast. Patrick Davis will be holding it down here with the sports complex. I'm going to be up there with some some of our guys from inside Texas, Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. We're going to be nice. At, we're going to be at Terry Black's Barbecue on Main Street in downtown Dallas. You lucky dog. Yes. You Been organizing dog. this for a while now with Terry and the great mm. people at Terry Black's Barbecue. And it's the, as I told Terry last year when I was there, it's a great place because they've got parking lots. You know, it's on Main Street, but it's kind of on the east side of downtown off Main Street. Got so some space. Space, place to park. We outside. We'll be talking Texas OU. We can get a cold, cold Bud Light and uh, get some amazing barbecue from Terry Black's out of those, fresh out of the pits there. So we'll be there. Um, I'll get you a schedule as far as times and whatnot coming up, but just know we're going to be there. And I want to thank our friend uh, Richard Strever and his team at One Source Gas. Mm-hmm. One Source Gas is going to be our uh, our travel partner on that, help get us up there. Nice. And uh, come join us. Make your plans now. Terry Black's Barbecue, Main Street in Dallas. I'll just say we'll be set up and doing fun stuff from about 3 to 7. 3 to 7. I like we'll that. We'll have a home. We'll, we'll have Patrick and you maybe back here. Oh, yeah. I'll be up there. Ty, Ty might be up there. We're just trying to get the finals, but we're doing it. We'll be up there. Terry Black's Barbecue. I want to get that out on a Monday, and it's brought to you by One Source Gas mm. of Central Texas. How much food are you going to eat during the time you sit there? Well, you know Terry what, though? Blacks. I'm going to go up after our show. I don't have to come back after our show, after the show. Oh, so you gotta, can't eat too we much. we got to do pregame here. we got to do our Saturday dues here. <laughs> okay. i yeah, got yeah, a lot yeah. to cover. Uh, but, true. But we want to be up there and have a place for Texas fans to hang out and get all amped up and ready to go to get to the fair the next morning. So looking forward to that is an 11 o'clock kick. Let's get the other headlines of the morning. Then Rod will take you uh, on a rant and get you behind the Texas uh, win over Kansas. But first, the other news. 
Top Gun, rentals and lawn equipment. Uh, we'll get to more Texas football chatter throughout the morning. But how about another big Sunday in the NFL, including those Dallas Cowboys. They obliterated the New England Patriots yesterday, 38-3. to Another game where their offense didn't have to do a lot. It was... Uh, Mostly defense, two defensive touchdowns. They harassed Mac Jones, got him benched in the third quarter. 38-3 final. That's the worst loss Bill Belichick has ever suffered in his 29 years as a head coach. He's headed to the Hall of Fame. That was the worst one. Equally impressive down in Houston. Texans put an exclamation point on the J.J. Watt celebration day. They had an emphatic 30-6 win over Pittsburgh. Now 2-2. Two and two. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud threw for 306 and two touchdowns. Their defense held the Steelers without a touchdown and just 225 total yards. Uh, on, that was on the day that the organization put J.J. Watt into their ring of honor. Another marquee matchup yesterday in Buffalo. Josh Allen threw four touchdown passes, ran for another, led the Bills to a statement win over the previously unbeaten Dolphins, 48-20. to Out in San Francisco yesterday, 49ers remain unbeaten, 35-16 thrashing of Arizona. Christian McCaffrey scored four touchdowns. Dallas will be in San Fran next Sunday for a showdown game. Only other 4-0 team in the NFL outside of Buffalo are the Philadelphia Eagles. Excuse me, outside of San Francisco are the Philadelphia Eagles. They survived and uh, survived the, the Commanders yesterday in Philly, 31-28 in overtime. Sunday night football last night, Chiefs held off the Jets, 23-20. Monday night football tonight to wrap up week number four. New York Giants will be hosting Seattle. Major League Baseball playoffs set following the final day of the regular season yesterday, and they needed every single game to finalize it. The Baltimore Orioles are the American League's top seed, but. How about the Houston Astros? After their 5-1 final week all on the road, including a three-game sweep in Arizona, the Astros have clinched the American League West for the fifth time in six years. They did it with an 8-1 win yesterday, combined with a Rangers 2-1-1-0 loss in Seattle. Rangers end up in the playoffs. They clinched the sixth seed. They're in the postseason for the first time in seven years, but they went 3-4 and four down their final week and tumbled out of that number two spot. That means they're going to play Tampa in the wild card round starting this week at Tampa. Minnesota will host Toronto in the other AL wildcard series. Baltimore and Houston will be off all week to face the winners. Braves and Dodgers top seeds in the NL. Arizona faces Milwaukee in one wildcard series. Phillies face the Marlins in the other. In golf, the uh, United States 30-year road, road drought in Ryder Cups continued. It's going to extend at least until 2027 now. That's after the host Europeans held off the Americans 16.5 to 15.5 in Rome yesterday morning. Uh, in the NBA, after trading Damian Lillard to Milwaukee last week, the Portland Trailblazers have pivoted and traded the key piece to that deal. Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. They're going to get uh, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first-round pick, and an unprotected first-round pick in 2029 back in exchange for the defensive specialist. And in the MLS, Austin FC fell to 12th place in the Western Conference after a 1-0 loss to Colorado at Q2 Stadium Saturday night. Austin is now winless in 10 straight matches. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Do we really want the Longhorns to be ranked number one? Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it matters. I, yeah, at this point. Well, are they but, the best team is the question. Are they the best team in the yeah, country? But that's like a, that's like a fake make-believe award to be the number one team in the country at this point. I, I, but I'd much rather them have to go earn it, and they can go earn it in the college football playoff because they look like they're they're good enough to make it to the college well, football. The, playoff. the argument is Georgia's won back to back national championships, but that shouldn't matter to this year. It does and, though, and Georgia it always has. It should, yeah, right. It's yeah. just the way the vote goes. Yeah, exactly. But until beaten, they're the champions. Uh, and as long at this point this year, if you're in the top four, you're good, right? You're going to be playing in the college football final four in the playoff, but. 
you know, look, Georgia's probably earned that right. But at the same time, they don't look as good as they have. I mean, they look beatable. Uh, unlike previous years, two years ago's team was just demolition crew. Last year they were really good. This year, you know, they, that game with Auburn, Auburn's a mediocre team, and they had them on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think their young quarterback, Carson Beck, stepped up in a big spot there and took them on that game-winning drive, hit Brock Bowers. I think Michigan might be the most complete team front to back, and their quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. But again, we knew going in, kind of like Oklahoma, those two teams won't play anybody. Until it matters, right? And Georgia, yeah. when, when is Georgia going to play somebody becomes the question. SEC I don't know. title game? <laughs> I mean, their schedule is lame. Uh, but, you know, Texas is doing their part. All you can do is win. And if the long, I'll say this, if the Longhorns were to beat Oklahoma and like they have Bama and Kansas, the other ranked teams they played win by double digits somehow, then maybe, because then you'd be going into your bye week 6-0 and with three wins over, three double digit wins over ranked teams. That would be quite a, quite a resume. But same time, uh, it's not. There's no awards in, in October. Yeah, I guess I'm sure if you want to make the case that there can be a, a really valid case made for Texas to be number one. Like I said, they're good enough now. They're just in the conversation, and all you got to be is be, be in the conversation. That means you're in the college football playoff. They win the Big Twelve. They stay on track. It doesn't matter. If they stay on track, it doesn't matter. If they need help somehow and they, you know, obviously end up going off the rails a little bit and then they need some help, then we start talking about all the scenarios and um, this team schedule, that team schedule right now. No need to worry about anything other than beating the next team in front of you if you're Texas. Yeah, all that other game. stuff will take care of itself. <laughs> you're at that point in the season now and you've proven you're that good. Yeah, win that next game. There is no question about yeah. that. And, uh, no, I mean, they, they have to like where they are, and we'll hear from Sark coming up. Um, you know, his comments after the game, he likes the maturity of his team. We heard that one earlier, talking about mm-hmm. just taking, you know, really a business-like approach week to week and uh, handling the mission. And, and, you know, they're just they, – they sputtered around a little bit on Saturday in the, uh, in the first half and settled for some field goals, and their field goal kicker missed some field goals. Um, then they just blew it open, right? He's kind of figured, and you predicted it when we were doing the in-game watch-along, Rod, on the On Texas Football Channel, you and I, that, you know, Kansas will wear down. Kansas will wear wear down don't have the in this heat um, against his Texas size, and they did. And Texas eventually – and they look, we'll get coming up this hour our, our Viking fence defensive play of the game, and you know, that big fourth down stop in the third quarter really flipped the game. That was still a one-score game at the time, and, you know, Texas got the stop and really separated from there and kind of kind of broke the will of that Kansas team with that fourth down play. And uh, But, again, they can do that, right? They've done – they've shown, you know, the ability to, to really seize the opportunity in the second half of games to, to take control and flex their muscles, and uh, that's something we hadn't seen in the first couple of years under Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. No, I, and I – you know, we'll get into this, obviously, a little bit more and behind the burners, Curtin, and we can do it in uh, Rod's round of the day, too. Uh, this team, I, I think they have a certain – they're starting to develop an identity – um, and I don't know if everybody's comfortable with it, but I like it. I like the identity. Well, let's uh, get, get to Rod's rant, and you can tell them what you believe the identity that they are developing into is uh, with Rod's rant. Good to have him back. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. All right, um, Rod's round of the day. About this team, I want to get into the identity of this team because 
in four of the five games they've had so far, uh, they've basically proven they're a second-half team. They pulled away in the second half, made great adjustments by the coaches. Um, I think the best really the best example of them making those adjustments has to be the running game, right? The, the run defense, I should say. Uh, at, at early on versus Alabama, Alabama's able to run the football early on. Uh, then Texas kind of puts a, a, a stop to that, and Texas is able to neutralize the Alabama running game, even though they didn't do themselves any favors with the lack of quarterback design runs in the QB running game. But Texas was able to stonewall Alabama late in their run game. Happened in the Wyoming game. Early on, Wyoming broke a long run, and Wyoming had a few successful runs and concepts they were using, and Texas made the necessary adjustments, and then they were able to stonewall Wyoming in the run game. Remember, one of them was essentially they just took the young Anthony Hill off the field, put Bender in. Bender was able to stabilize uh, the linebacking core because he overran a gap, and that's why they had the big run, but just a simple personnel adjustment. And then Texas was able to take that away. Against Kansas, Kansas had the triple option. They were running the option plays early on, got the, the big touchdown off the option, even though a lot of that was luck. Uh, you had the big hit by Jalen Catalan on Bean. He fumbles, and then they recover it, end up uh, scoring a touchdown. But still, they were able to break some big runs early on out of that option, and then we saw the adjustment by Texas. The biggest adjustment I saw, honestly, for the Texas defense with the option was simply putting more guys in the box. Um, you go look at the first half compared to the second half for Texas. A lot of two high looks, two deep safeties. In the first half, they pretty much were split between two deep, two high looks and single high looks with one deep safety. Uh, usually when you have two deep safeties, you know, you're not devoting extra guys in the box because those guys are devoted to the passing game. That's why they have, they're too deep. All right. Uh, but when you have single high, that means you can put an extra defender in the box. Uh, in the second half, Texas put an extra defender in the box Mo- more then I would say more than half the time, probably closer to 75% of the time, they put an extra defender in the box. They rolled that guy down. That was in to counter, um, and that was in reaction to that 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 triple option play, or basically that option play that Kansas kept running that was really, really effective, and Texas was able to stonewall it and stop it, neutralize it by just putting extra defenders in the box. So, that just the defensive adjustments. We haven't even talked. We can talk about the offensive adjustments too. Um, and I think Texas does a great job with that. And we went on. We talked about the uh, the six O line package early on in the uh, segment behind the burnouts curtain. We'll get back to that. That was just one of the offensive adjustments, especially when J T. Sanders went out. But I love the ability of the coaching staff to make the adjustments. The players themselves are making the adjustment too. They're winning the chess match within the game. And I think we just have to be comfortable as a fan base, realizing this is a second-half team. A lot of people were freaking out in the first half of the Wyoming game, freaking out in the first half of the Rice game, and that's understandable. Freaking out even in the first half of the Kansas game about some of the plays Texas giving up and about how close the score may be. Um, but if they, in four of the five games so far this year, they pulled away in the second half, guys, that's who they are. One time is an outlier, right? Uh, two times is coincidence. Three times, that's a pattern. Four times is a trend. Five times, it's habitual. And they're going on. I, I guarantee you, when they beat Oklahoma, they're going to do it by pulling away in the second half. And that's who they are. This team is just a second-half team. We're just not used to that. We haven't seen it in a really long time. So don't be uncomfortable with the first half. It's almost like they're, it's a boxing match, and they're you know filling each other out, and then Texas is waiting to lay to, to, you know, to lay those uh, haymaker blows uh-huh. later on in the fight. 
Yeah, and, and, and each week, right, they've gotten the benefit of play facing three backup quarterbacks. That now. helps. That does help. <laughs> and helps. they're also, you know, now, now for the third, you know, fifth straight game to go 5-0 and oh and, and really not, you know, have any scary games late in the fourth quarter, double-digit wins, you, um, you have, but you have coachable moments, right? You have things you can really work on and drill down on uh, the week of. you got to figure out Burt Auburn and the kicking now. You've got to... Uh, you know, um, you know, or work on the red zone a little more. Well, here was Sark after the game. He was asked that question, Rod. I mean, are you pleased with how you're playing? Are you pleased so far? You're certainly pleased to be five and zero because, as our man Jason said on the text line, my only award in October I care about is the Golden Hat. The Golden Hat's all that matters in October, and that's Damn absolutely man. true. That's winning the Texas OU game. But here's uh, Sark when asked, "Are you pleased with where your team and how they're performing right now?" I'm pleased with with the way we're playing. You know, there's no there's no doubt. I think we've played some pretty good teams, you know, that uh, we're getting faced with different styles of opponents week in and week out, and we're responding to the challenges. There's something that I'm probably most proud of is the maturity of this team in their ability to uh, accept the next challenge the next week, put forth the work, and then go out and perform. I'm very, very pleased at the maturity of our team because I think that's what you have to do as you grow throughout the season. You have to show maturity. Um, and you have to continue to improve. You know, championship teams get better during the season, and I think that that's something that we've been able to do here through five weeks. Totally agree. That's the challenge. And like you said, it's not like they're playing perfect games. Nope. Right? They, they're, you know, it versus Baylor, you have the fumbled, uh, the muffed uh, kick returns, uh, and that was a problem. Uh, in this game, you know, you have – Early on, giving up the option plays. Texas had to find a way to fix it. First time they had seen the option. So they gave us some explosive plays. They gave up a deep ball uh, to Kansas. And that's a backup quarterback, too. Um, offensively, you know, I mean, there, there are things that Texas can work on, things that they can look, the faster start, things of that nature. The red zone, uh, we'll talk about the red zone, right? That's a problem for Texas. That's something that they can, uh, that can come back to haunt them, I should say, in a big game. Maybe Texas OU is a big game. Well, I mean, it, so, so you're, look, in, in the, uh, in the foundational principles of football, they were dominating, right? They gained over 660 yes, yards. No, they 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 had 33 first downs to 11. They, but yes, in the third quarter, it was a one score game because of some missed field goals, some red zone, in, in, you know, missed opportunities, mm-hmm. and their defense dominated. But they gave up a couple of big plays, right? The you know, the one option play, the triple option left, that then the fumble and picked up and scooped and touchdown, and then the deep ball over the post where Keaton Crawford kind of got got his foot, footwork out of position. Other than that, they dominated, but, you know, the, the Kansas was in the game. I mean, I think if you were Lance Leipold, you would have said, man, if we can be within one score in the third quarter, <laughs> give ourselves a chance here. And they did, mm-hmm. and then Texas just said, as you said, and you just heard Sark say the maturity, you know, just make a big fourth down stop, which, by the way, is going to be our fourth, our Viking fence defensive play of the game. Nice. Baron Sorrell's crashing down, Jade Barron coming in, forcing the indecision and the fumble and get off the field on fourth down. That really broke the backs of the Kansas Jayhawks and, uh, but that's that's everything you just heard Sark just say and you just say, Rod. They're they're mature. They're not going to panic. Uh, they're going to listen to the coaches and what what they're seeing, what adjustments need to be made. And uh, you know that's 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 the sixty minute battle, right? That's the sixty minute battle. And so far, the Longhorns have won every game by double digits, and uh, that's that's really all that matters at this point. It, uh, it, ugly wins when you gain six hundred and sixty yards are pretty dang good. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's not an ugly win. It's just that you know that's the beauty of what the the growth right and the journey for this team is. They're not yet playing their best football. 
Yeah. Even though the they're really impressive, and the product it, right now is really impressive, they're not. Yeah, missed field goals. You got red zone issues offensively. You can fix those uh, defensively. You know, there's still some some cracks there or, or in terms of teams attacking the safeties and deep balls. Uh, but still, the defense is playing at a, a, a really high level. Some say trending toward being an elite defense. That's why I can't wait for this week. They need to play a, a, a good quarterback. They haven't. They haven't That's played right. a good quarterback yet. It just hasn't happened. Who's also happened. mature, who will also make adjustments, who yes. will also... They need to be tested with a good, with a good quarterback. We know do. this. They and do. this will happen when Dylan, if Dylan Gabriel plays. He may, maybe if, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, then put money on Texas to win the national title. Because <laughs> the football guys are just on he their gets side. sick on the bus yeah, or something. Yeah, something weird happens. <laughs> it it's COVID again. It's, it's, a, like, it's yeah. a rotten corny dog yeah, or something. something. He's out. Yes, just put Texas in the national title game and put money on it. But they'll play a good quarterback and I can't this defense is legit but think about it, it's the first time that that uh Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma which is the best offense in the Big 12 they're going to face a defense that's good that's for right. both of them that's right yeah it's a that's why it's going to be great that, that may determine the game honestly in a nutshell well so far they've both been statistically impressive they are both yep. unblemished to this point and the Longhorns for the first time this year didn't have a 21 point quarter rod but they had a 28 point or 27 point half which is pretty good, yeah. and they would have had a 28-point quarter, but the, the clock ran out in the third, then they scored pretty early on in the fourth. So they almost had another 21-point quarter, just barely missed that. They had to get that uh, that 20th point in early on fourth quarter, but that's the explosive, Texas, explosivity that they display. They're a top-10 second-half scoring team in points per second half, and they also are a top 10 uh, fourth quarter scoring team this year. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they they scored because <laughs> they, yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll have our Viking oh, fence yeah. defensive play of the game. We will also uh, talk Texas in that defense and more on the Longhorns and the rest of the Big 12. And obviously it's Texas OU week, Rod, and it's uh, 726. And OU still sucks. All right, Viking fence, defensive play of the game on Saturday was that big fourth down stop. Was it a fumble or just a fourth down stop? Either way, Longhorns get the uh, mm-hmm. get the big get off the field situation and uh, really change the game. Never look back. Texas dominates. Uh, that was a big play. Jalen Ford was the leading tackler for Texas, but I thought Baron Sorrells played his most active game. Um, you know, he had, you, you see Baron Sorrells down in pass coverage. He got they got I into that zone that. blitz, and eighty eight was down there guarding a the running back. He guarded Devin Neal on a, a wheel route. Yeah, thought that was really impressive. That was and impressive. Um, you know, another one of those veteran players for Texas who's all about ball, all about business, mm-hmm. and um, he made a big play in that spot. So. We'll give that the defensive play of the game. We'll give Baron Sorrells the defensive player of the game because they just continue to be playing, continue to play Rod really good team defense. Yeah, yes, Jalen Ford with a tackle for loss and seven tackles. Jade Barron had a tackle for loss on that play and three tackles, but they only faced like forty some plays. They right? didn't face a lot of plays. Kansas <laughs> didn't. I don't want to say Texas had more plays in Kansas territory than Kansas had, period. Like, it's like some yeah. weird, it was a weird uh, stat like that. I mean, that was a stat like late in the fourth quarter. It was it was domination. Only gave up 11 first downs, and really they gave up yeah. the two big explosives. They gave up a, an explosive run on the first series, 
but then forced a punt by midfield, <laughs> and then they gave up the long touchdown, which you know, you'd also credit the defense because Jalen Catalan came out of nowhere and blasted the quarterback and down. forced a fumble. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, on that play, yes. Yeah, and it, could, it was just you know bad luck that it was scooped right up there by the uh, running back trailing the play. Jalen Catalan also made a big play on the third down prior to your Viking Finch defensive play of the game. He's the one that came in, knifed in, and actually caused the fourth down. Yep, he did. Because he came in and came, I came out of nowhere. Great, man, it's just I, great t- angles, precise angles to the football. Yeah, and, and managed the snap timing right. Yes. Just shot instincts. the gaps. He's just got great instincts. He's a good player. He'll be a big one to watch coming up in this week with the uh, the Oklahoma. Oh, he'll be hype. He'll be hype for this. He one. will. Well, and you know, Texas and Oklahoma are both two and zero in the conference and five and zero overall. Do you know who the only other two and zero Big Twelve team is right now? West Virginia. West Virginia. Sneaky. They went into Fort Worth. We said that was a sneaky big game. Well, Neil Brown's team got pasted early by top seven Penn State, right at Penn State, and they haven't lost since. Um, mm. West Virginia is four and one, and they're two and zero in the Big Twelve. They have a road win at TCU. Now K State is one and zero, but they didn't play this week, so they only have one win. The only other two and zero Big Twelve team is West Virginia. So keep an eye on them. Everybody else has at least one loss in the Big Twelve conference. As the Longhorns obviously like to improve to six and zero this week against OU and uh, put themselves atop the Big Twelve. But uh, we said before the Kansas game, Rod, an opportunity to go back to back weeks with undefeated ranked teams and get to your bye week in a position to really do special things beyond it, that's now the mission of this week for Texas, getting ready for an undefeated OU team. Also, man, shout-out to, to Baylor and that comeback as we're talking about Big 12 football. Holy college football. That was that was amazing. I, I, Dave Miranda, he, I, I would love to know what that speech was that he gave. <laughs> what were they down? What was it? They were down 30, 35, 35 to 7, seven yeah, 28 points. Dave Rand is not a, he doesn't get really, you know, emotional about they things. Did, and they did have Blake Shapin back. Blake Shapin came back, but I but I, it, I bet he gave probably the most emotional halftime speech he's ever given because I think at that point his job, he, he probably knew his job was squarely on the line. Well, and, and, and They had gotten embarrassed at that point. That was embarrassing. They were getting run off the field. Run off the field. I mean, it's like more of the Bobby same. Whopped. But they scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> crazy? 26 fourth quarter points. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. Oh, man. Um, it, was, it was as much a Baylor success story as it was an implosion by UCF and Gus Malzahn's team. I mean, that mm. was really, really bad. Um, that was crazy, but but yeah, that was a Big that was Twelve a surprising game. result of the Big Twelve because I didn't see that coming. I didn't either. And you know, if you look nationally at the big good, bad, and ugly from the college football, you know USC getting up forty-one to fourteen, look like I'm gonna look like your boy over here is gonna get an easy cover. <laughs> I turned that off too. Easy cover. We I'm like, like I what? And oh, this yeah. <laughs> is this is USC's defense, which is you know Alice Grinch is opportunistic. They typically mm. can rush the passer, but they also are gonna give up big numbers. This is Lincoln Riley. Circa Oklahoma, right? They're going to yeah, score man. a ton of points. Um, Caleb Williams is dang near perfect, and uh, you still had yourself. You had to kick an onside kick late in the game to secure a victory because you couldn't stop anybody uh, after you took your foot off the gas. Uh, well, that'll be that's kind of stuff that'll get them beat when they start playing Oregon and Washington and those kind of oh, teams later this year. No doubt, because those teams can score and they got good quarterbacks. Yeah, Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Yeah, you could and, argue that if Colorado had Travis Hunter, then we got real interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't have their best offensive weapon or their best defensive player. So that could have gotten real ugly. Can, uh, I, can, I, can I play you something here? Deion mm-hmm. Sanders talking about Caleb Williams. Uh, and he was like, he had six touchdown passes in the third quarter. They took their foot off the gas, and that's when it came back. But USC can't be doing that. Here is uh, Deion Sanders, uh, one great to another, talking about what he saw from, uh, from the USC quarterback, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. 
difference maker. He makes them better. Um, the thought process, even just directing traffic and putting them in the right play calls in the right situation. He does a wonderful job of checking off and, and just changing things and getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, it was it was a pleasure for me to to play against them and their head coach. I mean, that was fun. Oh, man. Uh, Deion Sanders, high praise of the uh, best quarterback in the country, best player in the country. And how about the uh, primetime game, Duke and North Carolina? Duke had college game day on site, um, and they were up. Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, well, no, it was at Duke. And college game day was at Duke on Saturday okay. for the Notre Dame game. And Duke, for the, bed, for the, for the three and a half, almost four quarters, had just stuffed the Notre Dame offense. And Rod, with about, um, you know, in, in the closing drive, Sam Hartman's trying to move his team down the field to either kick a field goal or score a touchdown to win. Duke has them in a third, a fourth and 16. Fourth and 16. If they get off the field, the game's over. They're going to win the game 14 to 13. And they drop into a, they rush three, drop eight, go into kind of a prevent thing, which it will always be debated for Mike Elko. And Sam Hartman, the veteran he is, took off and uh, ran for the first down. Ran for the first town and just gut punched the Duke Blue Devils. Are about to get off the field, be five and zero, wins over Clemson and Notre Dame to start the year. They can't mm-hmm. get off the field on fourth and sixteen. Rod, instead on the next play, uh, the running back for Notre Dame, uh, Estime takes it to the house for a touchdown, and and Notre Dame steals a win there, twenty one fourteen. It was a sixteen fourth and sixteen play. That's crazy. And Sam Hartman ran for it. Riley Patterson, the Duke quarterback, got hurt in that game, which is a shame. But uh, that was that was a heck of a ball game, heck of a finish. One that I think, uh, uh, and this was pretty cool too. How about Sam Hartman, the quarterback? After his team just won a thrilling game on the road against a ranked team, he was more concerned about the opposing quarterback. I thought this was pretty classy by Sam Hartman, who's one of the classiest in college football. It's been a hard-fought game, and they're helping Riley Leonard off the field now. Get it done in the last moments, but um, you know, right now, honestly, I'm thinking about Riley. I mean, that kid's a hell of a player. He went down. Um, I really want to go check in on him, so I'm probably gonna go. Do go that. do that. Thank you. And yeah, they were trying to do the post game speech yeah. right there, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to talk. I want to go check on the quarterback." That's pretty good. I like as a that leader, guy. I mean, he's I a like leader. Can't turn it off. And what? Well, you're a defensive theorist, football theorist. What do? What, what on fourth and sixteen? Do you heat him up? Uh, do you, what, then I know that's a that's a tough chess call for any defensive coordinator. Todd Orlando, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. Todd Orlando brought the all-out blitz against LSU. LSU, and then uh, famously didn't work out for him. Uh, yeah, it depends on the matchup. Depends on it. Depends on the matchup. Depends on how you trust that quarterback. Um, you know, and if you trust that quarterback can hold up against pressure and make that throw, or if you you know you think that you could collapse the pocket quick enough and force the quarterback into making some mistakes. It all depends on the quarterback that you're facing in that moment. Sam Hartman. Um, big time player. Big time player. So maybe against him, you might want to have an alternate plan. <laughs> yeah, they they went eight. They dropped eight, and he found the sticks. And next play is a touchdown. That's the ball game. That's how close football can be, man. You make you if, if Duke makes that play, they're the talk of college football today, Rod. Mm-hmm. They'd be five and a huge win over Notre Dame. Yep. Marcus Freeman be in trouble even further after the Ohio State loss and the Duke loss. Mm. Uh, they steal that victory, and uh, that's that was a good football game. Uh, we'll get back to the good, bad, and ugly from around. Uh, pro football as well. Cowboys, absolutely. I mean, the Cowboys have played three games this year that you just couldn't even watch them. They were so dominant. That's that's where the Cowboys are right now. I mean, the Giants-Jets game and this game, 
by the third quarter, you're just like, okay, let's go find something else to watch. This I know. is thoroughly dominant. I don't know what happened in that Arizona game. You still. I know. <laughs> and Arizona got thrashed by, by uh, the uh, 49ers yesterday. Ty, I know for a Cowboys fan, though, you, you, uh, you go all the way to the end to see the Cowboys put a 38 to 3 beatdown on the New England Patriots. That was impressive. Impressive. They the also, worst all time. Worst all time for Bill Belichick. Worst Belichick loss he's ever had. In 29 years. You now. Mike McCarthy now owns that honor. You know, whether he was four years in Cleveland or now 25 years in New England, he's never had a loss that embarrassing and that bad, and he benched Mac Jones. Yeah, he had no choice. Mac Jones was playing at a, yeah, he's playing at a high school level. He was making throws. Well, the, pick, <laughs> the pick he threw to Deron Bland that went to the house was, I mean, come on, man. that is across two hash marks late in the, in the play. Just that, that Texas high school, that Wesley quarterbacks that wouldn't make that throw. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? You can't be you, throwing the ball like that. It's wild. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I will say, we'll get an update on it this week, but Micah Parsons limped off. He's got an ankle that he's dealing with now. But the Cowboys just, even without Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs, that's how talented they are, Rod. Deron Bland, man, I'm telling you, he, he's the real deal. He has eight interceptions in his first 21 games. That's a, no. that's a ball hawk. That's what you call those guys. Yeah. But to be that, I mean, Mike is not on the is on the sidelines, and you're still harassing the quarterback, making plays, scoring two touchdowns, and you hope Mike is going to be okay because the Cowboys will need everybody this week. They play at San Francisco against the five and zero 49ers, where Christian McCaffrey came about two yards away from having a five touchdown game. Rod, he had already had four. They were yeah. their last touchdown. He took. He got the ball and got to about the two yard line. He almost got to five TDs on the day. They don't lose when since Christian McCaffrey's joined that team. They don't lose. I mean, they lost the NFC Championship game because they had no quarterback. Other than that, they've won every other ball game. Well, that that was the last missing piece uh, to Kyle Shanahan's you know positionless football formula. This uh, this beast that he's been building. He's got you know he's got juice check. He's got now Christian McCaffrey. Got Debo Samuel. Got Kittle. He's got all the weapons he needs now, and now he's got a quarterback that he believes can be the point guard. That can just be the ultimate point guard to spread the football around to all those weapons. So that's why they look so good because this is actually the first time that in his mind he doesn't have a weakness on his offense really. And Brandon Ayuk was back yesterday. Mm-hmm. He had missed a couple games with the injury. And now when they have all of it, man, it is. They're tough to stop. And that's what the and Cowboys the will do. with. defense doesn't take it. Even though they lose a really good coach, as we know, because the Texans are the beneficiary of D'Amico Ryan's being there. He's doing a great and job. And Bobby Slowick. And Bobby Slowick. They just keep keep it moving. They just keep rolling. The only other undefeated <laughs> team outside of San Francisco are the Philadelphia Eagles, who pulled one out in overtime beat was Washington ugly. yesterday. Yeah. But how about this now? Jalen Hurts now has won each of his last five regular season starts when facing a double-digit deficit because they were behind 17-7 in this game. He joins Joe Montana and Steve Bartkowski as the only three quarterbacks in NFL since 1950 to be 5-0 in games where he fell behind by double digits. That's that's a winner right there, and Jalen Hurts found a way yesterday. He's got the clutch gene. The clutch gene. He's got it. Cowboys will face the Eagles twice. They face the Niners this week. That'll be a marquee matchup, obviously, out in Frisco. We come back with a little bullish or BS as we get you into some topics and things we're uh, bullish on or call them BS on before the top of the hour. Plus, we're talking all things Texas, Oklahoma, as it's Texas OU week. We're uh, just getting warmed up. It's Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Got time for Bullish or BS, and uh, plenty to be bullish about if you're a Longhorn fan. 5-0, wins over 
couple of ranked teams by double digits. No punts. Our guy Ryan Sanborn didn't have anything to do on Saturday. No punts for him. 661 yards. It's a good thing. Good thing. We'll hear Sark mm-hmm. coming up in our next hour talking about the diversity of this offense, even with JT Sanders out and the uh, Kansas Jayhawks trying to do their, their best to take away X-Man Xavier Worthy. Did they? Uh, they? Well, they were rolling coverage his way, according to Sark, mm. and that's where A.D. Mitchell stepped up huge, and uh, Jonathan Brooks continues to be RB1 he still got. He still had like 90-something yards receiving. He did. You know, they did. He did. <laughs> so they, they tried to take him away, I guess. They tried <laughs> they to. do a great job. Hey, uh, <laughs> bullish or BS, Rod, that, uh, you know, I don't know that this one's much of a debate, that Jonathan Brooks is RB1 for the Longhorns moving well, forward. Well, we'll see if Sark is willing to admit it. He's been asked about it like two weeks in a row, and he always kind of dances around the question, oh, we got running backs, we all like all our guys, we're going to play guys. No, just say Jonathan Brooks is the starting running back. He's earned it. If he doesn't admit it after this, um, performance in, that's just Sark being prideful. Come on now. It, 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 that, that guy's earned that spot. It's his spot. It has. It is. Bullish. 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 He's been outstanding. It's 221 his. yards. He's, Come on, man. Competition is over. Yeah. Competition <laughs> it's is done. over. It's, and it's really not close, right, at no. this point. I mean, it's not. Uh, and look, I, I think C.J. Baxter is going to be a real good player for Texas. Um, but he still dances a little bit too much. He's not as decisive, which you know, comes with being three years in this program mm-hmm. and realizing that, uh, you know, just hit that hole. And, of course, he got to play behind those you know, great players. How about this? Most missed tackles forced per attempt. Jonathan Brooks, um, .35. He's not far behind what Bijan and Roshan did last year, which is pretty good. Pretty good. Um, one, yard, th- one thing I would look at, though, and, I, and I'll go try to find it, yards before contact. Yards before contact. That's usually attributed to the offensive line. Uh, and I bet yards before contact for Jonathan Brooks are, are much higher than Bijan and Rojo's yards before contact. Agreed. Yards after Agreed. contact, usually that's your running back. That's his yards. Or, you know what I mean? So, I think it's I think it's both. I think he's doing a really good job. I think he's killing it. But I also think the O line needs to get some credit too. Yeah, I think both things. We, we yeah. I think we expected that from the O line. Yes, that a just a general maturing and, and better. <laughs> At the same time, we weren't sure what Jonathan Brooks would be, and the numbers he's putting up really since the the fourth oh, quarter of that Alabama game. Amazing. And that's you know that's really where he sees that job right yes, when T.J. Baxter got hurt again against Bama mm-hmm. second straight week he couldn't finish and. It was uh, Jonathan Brooks in that fourth quarter running out the clock. Yep. And then, by the way, speaking of bullish BS, the Kansas City Chiefs ran out the clock last night, the final seven minutes of the Jets game. They won it 23-20. to Are you still bullish on the Chiefs as your Super Bowl pick in the AFC, Rod? Ooh, that's good. I'm going to say yes right now. Uh, right now we're just kind of in this, we're just riding the fog of Taylor Swift. So, yeah, she's flying and hanging out with the team and all that kind of stuff. Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, and oh, Hugh Jackman also man. all coming last the, night. The NFL, is, the NFL is so damn good. Think about it. They asked Taylor Swift to do the Super Bowl halftime show. She refused. She's like, I'm too big for y'all. And they still got their Taylor Swift promotion out of her dating Travis Kelsey. So they still got their Taylor Swift from the free media moment. A moment, I should say. Hey, because uh, right now she's the biggest story in the NFL. Crazily enough, and people are like, no, 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 she's not. No, no. For people who don't watch the NFL all the time, she is. Like their ratings for these games are really high, just because there are Swifties out there that want to watch Taylor Swift. Yeah, watch her walk into the watch uh, her walk, in. walk through the metal detector. <laughs> That's, it. That's what she's wearing, like in the you know in the skybox, and how many times they show her. They're actually now there's all these. Um, screenshots of the Swifties online 
and they are asking about football. Like they want to know, like, okay, yeah. so what? Well, how does football work? What's going on here? Kind of like on the uh, Jacksonville <laughs> game yesterday morning. They did the Toy Story version, like from oh, like they yeah. did the Disney thing with ESPN, yeah. and it was from uh, it was a hit. What's the kid on Toy Story's name? He's he's from his bedroom. So oh, yeah. The football game was happening from his bedroom. Yeah, because they got the dog, the dog and everything. No, it looks <laughs> yeah. pretty good. No, it's yeah, pretty, it cool. pretty cool. Ty, where does uh, Blake Lively rank on your Ty Henderson <laughs> hotness scale? Because we know where Taylor Swift is at. Extremely high. And who does Blake Lively? What does she I like do? Blake Lively, Blake Lively. Oh, she was an actress at one point. She was in uh, Mean Girls. Mean yeah. Girls. Okay. A gossip Girl. No, not Gossip Blake, Girl. Yeah, yeah. And now she's married to Ryan Reynolds, right? Well, not now. I don't know. Is that true? She, yeah, that's what I went to high school with her nephew. Did you really? He had a striking resemblance to her. As That's well. wow. You could definitely tell. I think there's she's Ryan Reynolds. I think there's she's Hugh married Jackman. to him. Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine. Yeah, people don't even care about that. That's some some A listers. Nobody cares. And Tell then the yeah, and Travis Kelsey's mom showed up again. Hey, Mama Kelsey's having a good <laughs> year. She's having a good couple of years actually. Oh man, we'll get more on the Cowboys. Big win. <laughs> Longhorns. Big win. Texans. Big win. D'Amico Ryan's team is two and two. How about an emphatic victory over the? Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers got to be bullish on the start for the Texans and then get that offensive line healthy. Look out. Also, the uh, bullish or BS <laughs> topics continue. Buffalo, my pick to go to the Super Bowl of the AFC, looking good yesterday. We'll get that coming up. We uh, roll on five hours, five mornings a week here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodvick. <laughs>